monks or nuns for personal attention or for all kinds of things. This is a very adult situation. You don't need to be directed and told what to do and and uh, ordered about. You should have enough sense to figure things out and look around the ways of supporting each other and the Sangha. This takes wisdom and uh, some people want afraid of everything getting out of control or wanting everything to be kind of uh, <clears throat> ordered and clearly defined uh, because it's easier that way which is you do this you do that but that's not necessarily that's not the way life is we're we need to really take on that responsibility and give and not just uh, be one who has to be highly institutionalized and uh, and have everything uh, clearly defined, told what to do. For this retreat, and monks and nuns, you're responsible for your practice, totally. I'm not responsible for it. If you practice or not practice, that's your responsibility. <coughs> how many hours, how diligent you do it, it's, that's, that's what you know. And you, you've just got to grow up and take on that responsibility. I don't, the Sangha is not a, 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 a child's organization, it's not a military outfit. Anagarikas, you have to take on the responsibility for your eight precepts and, and live by those precepts and practice. Look around for, when, say, on the, on, say, the community side, look for ways of helping each other and get away from the uh, don't disturb my practice uh, attitude. But don't be compulsive, don't, don't take it as you have to go around kind of looking for something to do. But just the mindfulness and attentiveness and awareness to situations give us the clues and the information necessary to, to do things properly and serve. If the lay people uh, here want a lot of attention and have all kinds of personal problems and and uh, listen, then it's not really you're not really supporting the sangha. You're uh, for this uh, retreat. You come here to get something, some kind of something, something for yourself. And don't do that. Don't come here to get anything. Come here to serve. Make that your your, why you why you volunteered to come here for the two months to serve, 
to be a, a servant, to help, not to get anything, so that you're not, you're not, uh, say, causing the the sangha any. Uh, you're giving them a chance. I mean, the sangha is quite willing to help and and. Uh, listen to people's problems and we do it all year round. Uh, and every lay people always have problems. The lay world is just one big ongoing problem. <clears throat> so I've been a month, 25 years and I've never seen, seen an end to lay people's problems. It's just you think you, you think you've got them solved and then they create more. So, so just accept that the world itself, the conditioned realm, is always a problem. It's going to be a problem. It's, its natural quality is being a problem. It's just the way life is. It's going to be uh, people's differences, attitudes, obstacles, hindrances, difficulties, uh, all these things are just a part of uh, this realm that we're living in. And so when we take it all personally and think it shouldn't be this way, then we're always looking for ways to solve this and get over that and change this and change that. And, and the mind worries and it gets obsessed with its own views and, and, you, and you can't see it. So I say in and the retreat that I've been teaching is how to get a perspective on on the, all that conditioned realm. Notice the the kind of fear of things getting out of control, and and uh, I mean when you when you want to when you, your sense of security depends on, on being in control and having everything in control and everything uh, kind of going along nicely and under control and that's what we'd like. Don't be frightened of losing control. Sometimes you have to let go of trying to control things. So this retreat, I'm not trying to control it, I'm just trying to, to, to uh, present uh, reflections for you, for you to, to uh, look and examine and begin to investigate <coughs> Dhamma. Not to try to control you and, uh, and keep everything according to, to a, a certain level of, of what I think uh, a good monastery should be. You all have the intelligence and the ability to, to know, to aspire to being a good monk or a good nun. And that you have to, you, you must do yourself. You know what, I mean, a, a monk or nun that's only good because of somebody kind of telling them what to do is nothing more than a, than a Pavlovian dog a shaven-headed dog.
Remember, our minds are conditioned with the reward and punishment uh, type of uh, attitudes. So, uh, you know, we we come from societies where uh, uh, reward and punishment is the way of training people. You're rewarded for being good and you're punished for being bad. <coughs> so that's, uh, that's the conditioning process, isn't it? Uh, where you... We, we tend to operate in that we, when we're bad we expect to be punished, when we're good we expect to be rewarded. We feel it's not fair if if we've been good and we're not rewarded for it. <coughs> and uh, so we we like rewards, we can we can try to be good and impress everybody with our goodness in order to be praised and admired and respected. And we can be afraid of being bad because of people's criticisms and being punished and being uh, looked down on. But now I'm asking you to to contemplate goodness and badness and to know the difference and to to be able to to make decisions in regards to good and bad according to wisdom rather than to habit and desire for rewards or or from fear of punishment. <coughs> Virtue is the love of the good. So when one loves, when when there's love of the good, then no problem about being bad. <laughs> but if you don't know the difference, if you're caught in just fears and desires and self views and opinions and prejudices and all that, then you don't you don't really know good from bad very well. You kind of you've got uh, fixed ideas and. You've got strong opinions about how things should be, and then you then you get very confused when things aren't what they should be. Remember, goodness is not absolute, so that there's nothing that's absolutely good or absolutely bad. Good and bad are are terms for relative, uh, for relativity. Goodness is relative, not absolute. So that you know, to to recognize goodness, you have to be mindful, and, uh, rather than uh, than just being conditioned. To be conditioned to be good is, uh, we can still be very bad. The the gold crisis is. Uh, Probably, you know, if you want to get rid of these infidels and get rid of that satanic force and all that, that's, those kind of attitudes come out of a conditioned mind that sees good and bad as a kind of fixed, absolutized, absolutizing relativity.
for the lay people, they really, uh, <coughs> Sister Jyotika is trying to, uh, you know, help you and to to keep everything going in a in a peaceful way. So just try to to cooperate and uh, don't don't uh, to help her so that she can have a retreat. Not make not make a lot of demands on her because uh, if you come to serve, then just uh, just see what you can do to help her, support her. It's each person does things differently. So I mean, you you want you want something done a certain way, but it's, learn to do something. Uh, learn to adapt and bend. If somebody does something some way, then and they're the one that's responsible or taken on that 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 obligation, then then learn try to do it that way rather than than saying it should be another way. Because there are many ways to do things. There's not one way, not one right way. I determined ages ago, when I go to a monastery, I'm determined to to try to serve it and help it, not to just kind of take advantage of it or just live off it or or compare it with another monastery. <coughs> it's easy to, to go from one monastery to another and say, oh well the Chitters they do it like this. Wapapo, they do it that way. See you ten thousand Buddhists it's this way and why can't we do it that way or this way? And so we we end up uh, you know, with all kinds of, uh, we get, we just create this sense of that there's a, a better way to do something because we maybe might prefer one way over another. But the mindfully reflect on the fact that this is the way it's done here. Amravati is like this. It's this way. Try to get a feeling for Amravati as the way it is, not not uh, uh, comparing it with another place. We're not saying this is the best place, or this is the way every monastery should be, or that we're doing it right and everyone else is do doing it less right. We're not making any pretentious claims. But it, there is a there is a wisdom that comes from the mind when you Amravati is this way, and you you can't observe. What it's like, and the the mood, the atmosphere of it, the way things are done, so that you can you can appreciate many different uh, styles and ways of doing things. You go to like in, I remember uh, going to the city of ten thousand Buddhas at first. And, is feeling overwhelmed by all their 
pujas and ceremonies and, and thinking, oh, I don't see the point of this and, and uh, kind of going on about, you know, being quite, uh, you know, critical of a lot of things. And I didn't really appreciate the place till I, st- till I just gave up criticizing it and uh, started participating in it. Just seeing how, how one could serve, how one could be there and, uh, and be fully supportive of what they're doing. And basically, it's, you know, it's based on a moral, on the vinaya and the practice, meditation practice. So you're not supporting something bad, you just, it's just, they do things quite differently from the way we're used to doing it. We could just say, well, they're Mahayana and we're Theravada and letting go. <laughs> we don't do things like that. Or is it, is that really, that's a, that's a, an easy way out. <coughs> just chalking it up to they're different than us because there's uh, learning how to adapt how to how to uh, adapt wisely to to changing conditions different situations that takes wisdom that doesn't that's not a conditioning thing conditioning is you get used to one thing and then you compare everything else with it and you think if it's not like what you're used to, it's somehow you feel very uncomfortable or feel very critical of it. So we can watch that in ourselves. Even if you go to some places where that are not very good monasteries, that doesn't mean you need to spend your time criticizing. It means you, at least you can be uh, Someone, it isn't adding to the uh, to the uh, problems of a monastery. It's very good for, you know, the, uh, let's say for the lay people to really think of just serving, coming here to serve only, not to practice. Because sometimes you come here with the idea, I'm going to get a lot of meditation in. If I go in Amravati for the winter retreat, I can go and do a little bit of this, but I can get all the kind of listen to the talks and sit in the meditation hall and I can really do something but watch that tendency to to want to gain anything out of it totally give to it uh, I advise you to, to try to develop that <coughs> attitude that ideal of giving and serving and then you can see what the selfishness is want, wanting to get something out of it Because meditation uh, does, it makes us quite selfish. We can be really, very, very selfish in, in, with that attitude of my practice. And I've got to 
get my practice. I've got to have so many hours of sitting. I've got to, I've got to get it together. I want, I need, I must. The doing the dishes is not practice. Uh, having to cook food is not practice. Look at those monks and nuns sitting in the meditation hall. They're sitting and practicing, but I'm not. I'm peeling the potatoes. That's uh, all self-views, isn't it? Them and us, and, and an idea of what practice is, and and that that what if if we're not doing what we think practice is, then somehow uh, that's not if what we're doing isn't as good as what somebody else is doing. We're not as useful or beneficial. But the insights come through oftentimes peeling the potatoes rather than sitting in the meditation hall. Sometimes you can really see what selfishness is when you when you're really fed up with the whole thing. I just oh these people I don't like I'm just absolutely, utterly fed up with the whole wretched mess. <laughs> and then maybe for the first time you hear your inner kind of uh, tyrant talking. You hear hear that in you, which is selfish and and uh, complaining and critical and and uh, wants things to be otherwise. I certainly I t- I, one of my most uh, commonly told stories about sweeping the ground and, 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 and hating the whole monastic life and what about Pong and the heat and the monks and Thailand and everything and being really in a nasty state and and suddenly realizing it. And Ajahn Chah says, <coughs> what about Pong, is what about Pong suffering? Uh, it was sweeping leaves, I was doing something I didn't want to do. I wanted to go out to my kuti and, kuti and sit. That was the first year when I was a Samanera, I just sat, 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 all for, t- for ten months. They just let me sit in a kuti for ten months. Bought me food every day. Didn't bother me. And I just sat, 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 and that's what I wanted to do. That's what was real practice. But the real helpful insight was in the sweeping leaves something I thought was a waste of time, not part of the practice, not real practice. Because only you become aware of of that in in yourself, which is just just negative and selfish and immature. <coughs> it's like I could see, I could see that was a very immature kind of thing going on in me. It's just it's so. I mean, when I really saw it, it was a really ugly, kind of nasty thing. Do you really want to be like that? Do you want to be, become like that? Do you want to be a person that's always opinionated and complaining about life? And when life isn't the way you, you want, according to your view, you're always just negative and mean-hearted about it? Is that the way you want to be? No, I don't want to be like that. I'll do anything not to be like that. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to grow up 
uh, I was already grown up. I don't want to go on <laughs> and get old and be an old, <coughs> old, grumpy, complaining man. Because as you get older, you get more rigid. You get really caught in your habits, and you, if you you can't see it if you don't get perspective on it, and then you're really <coughs> stuck there till you die. Mm -hmm. You say, "I am the servant of the Buddha, a servant of the Dhamma, servant of the Sangha." rather than the, the master of meditation or the, <coughs> the, the, the I practice meditation I, I mean in, in Thailand sometimes we we in the forest tradition we I mean because Thailand they have the the Wat Ban and the Wat Ba and the Wat Ba is, is the serious monks we wear these dark colors these kind of uh, unbeautiful mucky-colored robes and uh, what bond monks, they wear bright orange and what bond monks, they they study and and do ceremonies, but we practice we practice meditation, we keep Vinaya we don't carry money and we don't drink Ovaltine in the evening and we don't watch the television, and we're we're very strict, and we we're practicing monks. We're not like those Wat Ban monks. Their bright orange robes, their gold rimmed glasses, their silk purses. <laughs> their their pink silk yams with embroidered with pink rosebuds. Sometimes an image I had of, of Prawat Ban. He had a bright orange robe with a beautiful pink silk yarn embroidered with little rosebuds. Gold rimmed glasses and a Parker pen. <laughs> <laughs> colored robes. We have a lot of sweat in our robes and we don't smell so nice. <laughs> We've got... <laughs> We're not these pretty little monks in bright orange robes and pink yarns. When you think of that, that, that is a kind of, it's conceit, isn't it? This is uh, not that that one should should follow the what ba what either, but but just that kind of thinking is 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 uh, conceited. We are somehow we practice. We are meditators. We uh, we are we are strict with our vinaya. We don't touch money, and all this kind of thing is. Uh, it's conceit 
to be seen and not to be to be uh, encouraged. Because if when when we when in, we we are servants of the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, we're not meditation practicers and we're not we're not uh, forest monks and strict with Vinaya and we're uh, these kind of conceits are not to be encouraged. It doesn't mean that we we aren't strict with the Vinaya and we don't practice, but it means we're not identifying with any of that. That's what we do, that's our way of living, but it's for serving Buddha Dhamma Sangha, not for uh, comparing ourselves and, and feeling in, in a conceited way with other monks. Besides, it, it's uh, if you if you stay in some Wat bonds, you see some very good monks. You don't, you can't just all just sum them up as being. Uh, maybe maybe you've seen a couple that are pretty silly, and then you you can easily just say they're all <coughs> like that. You can do that with the Wat bar monks also. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just what prejudice is, isn't it? You 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 see you see some somebody. I say an ethnic group acting in an awful way, and then you think they're all like that. All Americans are loud mouthed. All English are uptight. All black people fight with knives. All Jews are are uh, stingy with money. These are the the stereotypes, aren't they? The the things, the prejudices that we that we uh, can uh, believe are, are what what the, these people are. Or the way we look at, say, women are like this. Men can, in their chauvinistic, all women are this way. I suppose women do that with men. All men, you know what they're like. <laughs> or you can say the nuns or the monks. And it can be, always have a derogatory or pejorative uh, connotation. These are, these are conceits of the mind, aren't they? These are to be witnessed as, as uh, self-conceits, not as truths to believe in. Chauvinism and prejudice—all these come from from that. But when you when you take refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, then it's, we're servants. We're nobody. We're absolutely nobody. We're nothing. We're we're beggars, we're alms mendicants, we're dependent, we have, we have, uh, we have uh, no rights or privileges. We're not asking for rights or privileges because we're, we're mendicants, we're servants to the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. We're not big ajans or masters of meditation. Anything like the kind of conceits that come as you as you become as you get positions. Inevitably, we get positions 
but to beware of that. No, that's not that's that's not the way. Is to be to be somebody, to be a teacher, or to be become a, a master. But to keep reflecting on that desire to become something or to identify something, because the servant of the Buddha is uh, <coughs> is. Uh, <coughs> is a very humbling position. Gratitude for what is offered, what is freely given, and and uh, very simple needs, and and a good heart to serve and help others. And, and this is this would be, say, an attitude most most conducive towards spiritual insights. I heard on the BBC News that, <coughs> that the uh, that the uh, in Baghdad they really people are pretty depressed and they're expecting the worst. And that there's absolutely no preparation, that they're just... And that the, the BBC reporters in Baghdad, or they, uh, the interviewer asked them, are you uh, being persecuted? And they said, no, we're being treated very well. That Saddam Hussein wants us in Baghdad. So that when the UN forces and Americans bomb, will be around to report about all these children being maimed and blown up in school and all horrendous and so that so that we'll be here to see it and then report it to the world. <coughs> And there's been no kind of, of uh, there was rumors they were going to empty Baghdad itself of its population, but they, that hasn't happened. They, they tried, I think, one portion of the city, and but they gave up, and nothing, just kind of a futile attempt to do anything. And yet Saddam Hussein uh, will not budge an inch. I think everybody's trying to even desperately try to prevent a war. But he's he's a really stubborn man and said Kuwait is, belongs to Iraq and that's it. No negotiations on that. So one feels that, that, that nobody really wants, you know, everybody wants to, wants to avoid it, except he, I think he wants it, I think he seems very determined that it, that it uh, happen, because there's not, not a sign of willingness to consider any other possibility. Unless we, unless the UN just says, well, okay, you can have Kuwait. Right? 
you can keep it. It won't do anything. But that they can't do that either. So this is not a serving of the people, is it? It's a, it's a tyrant, a megalomaniac <coughs> who's on a fixed position and willing to sacrifice, willing to destroy and kill a lot of people in order to prove that he's that, that he's right. Not a servant of the uh, you know of the people that he's that he rules. The tyrant is, is a, a, a good ruler, is really a servant. Like the king of Thailand, call him king, but he's actually a servant of the people, serves the country. The good king is a servant. A bad king is a tyrant. <clears throat> Buddhadasa, they they like to translate it as uh, slave of the Buddha. <laughs> Dasa is the Thai word for slave. Ta, slave of the Buddha. But slave is not <laughs> doesn't inspire. <laughs> that doesn't doesn't inspire me. Either. I'm a slave of the Buddha. It sounds, like, it sounds more like a, some kind of addictive being. Slave to desire. Slave to love. The servant. Servant is a much better word. On this retreat, all of it, I mean, the Sangha here, to... to uh, to think, to, to contemplate that, of being a servant of the Sangha, not, a, not somebody who should be served. Don't ask for rights and privileges and, and don't, but uh, be one who's content with with the roof over the head for one night, and, and try to develop that 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 reflection. <coughs> Ajahn Menendra and I were contemplating our robes the other night, and how everything we have is given to us by somebody. I know who who made this sangati who. I know the woman who paid for this, this the beautiful lining to this robe. I still remember her, and who made this chiwon, and who who gave me this scarf, and who gave, who knitted these little things, and this jumper, and so forth. It's all given by <laughs> you wearing the. Uh, the robes are things that people give you. None of it, you know, you go <coughs> to Selfridges and buy. It's all just it's the things that people make or monks make or nuns make. They people 
buy an offer. So it's, you're, you feel a sense of gratitude and appreciation for being able to wear things that, uh, say, the robes have this special quality that so you feel you have this gadanya, sense of contentment, appreciation for the thoughtfulness and the generosity of others. And then you think of the, the gruel and the, and the tea and the, these things offered to us. These are made by the, the, the lay people, the Nagarikas, uh, for us. Rather than thinking of it as uh, that, they're, that they're supposed to make that for me, that you're, you're here to make coffee and tea and serve me, that's uh, the, the tyrant, the lord and lady, the master and the mistress, that your duty is to go and make coffee for me. Or you reflect on that these things are offered. They're not, they're not to be expected or demanded. If you start thinking that you should have them, then the, look at that as a as a, something to to uh, not to encourage in your mind. The food when you when you get the food, you reflect that this food is an offering to the sangha. Not your right, and that 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 uh, so that your mind is is always. Uh, say, contemplating these things in this position of a servant, an alms mendicant, rather than a lord and lady, a, a Brahmin priest, somebody with a with a high status. How many of you feel you have high status because you're monks and nuns? It's easy to start feeling that that one is uh, somebody important. Because people like bow and go like this and treat you treat me like I'm I'm somebody really important. So he's sitting in the middle and focused and people publish books that say Ajahn Sumato's books and tapes and all these kind of things. It really I must be somebody very important, isn't I? Meditation master, an abbot of monastery, spiritual leader, uh, a Mahatera, uh, one of the first, the first Western disciple of Lung Cha. Wow! Look at my credentials. I'm somebody important. I'm really a big shot. And so that is. If one, what if you contemplate that, it's something you don't want to be. You don't want to be that kind of a person. You don't want to be the chief disciple or the chosen one or the most important or the or the or the master of meditation or the or the big teacher or the spiritual leader or the guru. Any of this stuff is not is not anything that I. Uh, would uh, would choose to identify with. <coughs> uh, no, 
no no longing or interest or invest investment in any of that because the whole point of this life is in serving the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. These things, these uh, these worldly, <coughs> inspiring teacher and a meditation master. That's 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 all right. Nothing, nothing uh, wrong with that. But as a, as a, or if you're a, a if you're a servant of the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, then you don't need any other identities yourself. That's enough. The refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha. Not a meditator, not a yogi, not a Vipassanini, a, uh, not a uh, Theravadan Buddhist. Any of these things are, are not what, not, not, not perceptions to, to hold on to, but to, to really develop that, that sense of refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha. And remember that a samana is 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 not the Brahman priest. People treat us like that and treat us and that's that's their sign of respect, but that's not what we demand or that's not we why we're in this life to to be respected by others and to be treated in a special way. With a holy life, one of the dangers is the holier than thou and arrogance, spiritual arrogance. And uh, I'm senior to you, and I'm practicing longer than you have. And, and uh, you find it in Britain, people, British Buddhists who, who, uh, who've been Buddhists for a long time, then some junior monk goes to give a talk or none, and yeah. I've been a Buddhist longer than her. She has a lot for me. That's conceit, isn't it? It really gives a good chance to watch your mind. You're getting very, uh, very, uh, you know, I've been practicing longer than he has. Who seemed to come here and teach me? It is a very <coughs> conceited uh, mental state. Really, really and is that something that you would 
not working for the real, like just directing that kind of energy towards the being, like it just seems very to my, to my way of thinking, it seems to be like the most, you know, like a good thing to do. But maybe I'm just a bit well, it's a good thing to do. <laughs> but also, just, uh, I contemplate this. I, I, I don't... I just see that, that the, what we're doing, living the holy life, is in itself. I have no doubt. Because that feeling that we've got to do something about it, and... Uh, wanting to do something about it and I've watched that you know, I mean, I've got to do something <coughs> wanting to do, you know have some ceremony or something uh, directed in that direction where I would uh, I just trust that the that the uh, the quality of life uh, as a samana is not that I have anything against doing that but but also, we can be very much wanting to do something, rather than trusting in in the in the uh, just uh, our own uh, determination to live the holy life is is for the welfare of all beings. Also, you've got to realize that this is a comic result. It's not just Saddam Hussein. It's what happens. You know, even if it's at the worst, it is the is resultant karma that we have to accept. Don't don't, don't uh, get, don't fall into uh, anguished states and depressed states of being because it all <coughs> something terrible happens. And that's not a kind of callous fatalism, but it. It is a recognition that that humanity is has been uh, very very selfish and and greedy, and that uh, and is not interested in very much in anything spiritual or any you know it, it has ideals kind of in it, but like you know, say people want want their ideals only if they're comfortable and like one of the reasons why the Americans are so upset over Saddam Hussein is because it interferes with the American economy and the American the high standard of living and prices of uh, gasoline, petrol and all that. It's so I mean it's, it's not like America's coming from a totally kind of high-minded principle of, of uh, you know of being asked really upset over Mrs. Thatcher, I think, was. I think Mrs. Thatcher is actually uh, very principled and very uh, kind of just the principle of somebody invading another country. But one feels the Americans well, didn't get that, weren't really that concerned. Because America wants to keep its high standards of living and uh, and uh, wants doesn't want to, anything to interfere with it. So this, that kind of attitude, I mean, what can you do? Uh, 
you know, is, should we, should, you know, is, uh, can we just blame it on this kind of vulgar Saddam Hussein? Maybe he's a scoundrel. Uh, you know, one one even would like to maybe even sympathize with him a bit. But you can't. He's, <laughs> he's, he's a murderer, and he's, and he's, he's been a murderer for, you know, his whole years and he's, he's really quite willing to uh, torture and and uh, persecute and and destroy his own country he's like Hitler was quite willing to to destroy Germany that's a really evil kind of uh, thing. <coughs> Nobody, I don't think, the Americans, even the, 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 the worst hawks of American politics want to destroy Iraq or want to, uh, you know, want to have a war. Their, their, their concerns are mainly greed, you know. But this is, uh, this is one of those kind of like the Mahabharata theme scenarios. Where the tyrannical, the, the tyrant, uh, the dictator, the autocrat, uh, is, is standing against the the kind of flabby, uh, meaningless democracies of the, of the world, the corrupted, flabby, wishy-washy democracies. So it's, it's karma also, it's, it's, uh, it's something we just, you know, we, we try to um, do what we can to, to uh, bring peace, but then, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't, uh, don't make it into a, a condition of your mind that is, uh, that you attach to that we, our practice is to serve the Buddha Dhamma Sangha and that can be, that's always being able to do what is to be able to see and, and be receptive to the time and place and to do what is right refrain from doing what is wrong trust in that and that this, whatever happens is a is what we must it's still it's still uh, you know we recognize that it's uh, even if the worst happens we still have the wisdom to learn from it and to go around just just being depressed and angry and Resentful. <coughs> that's why. That's why we have such a situation. Whether the Palestinians, and the Israelis, all these people, are, the the IRA, and all these people are, are filled with resentments and blaming each other. The, the Israelis still remember the 
the Jewish uh, annihilation of the Jews under the Nazis. And they they frightened and they're resentful and they're, they uh, they carry that around. They want to punish every every Nazi they can get. They pursue them in Bolivia, Argentina. Dig up some wretched old Nazi and try it. Because they can't forgive and they can't forget. They want to punish in self-righteous punishment. The Palestinians hate the Israelis because of And the IRA hate the, the British. And it goes on and on and on. And just, you did this to me, you did that to me, you did that to my mother, my grandfather, my great-great-grandmother, my ancestors, and on and on like that. There's no end. If we, if we participate in that kind of thinking, then, then we're, 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 we're helping to create these situations. We're actually participating in the ignorance and stupidity of uh, the Arab world and the Western world. And we're going along with it. We're just creating the forces and the karma to, for these uh, dreadful situations. That's why it's, uh, the human being, say, when you're a servant of the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, then there's nothing that anybody does that isn't forgivable. We can't let go of, no matter how rotten they might be. There's nothing, there's nothing that, no kind of possibility of evil demonic behavior that we, that we're going to hang on to and uh, resent and, and carry around and, and want to get even. And if we do that, then we're no longer servants of the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. We're Bhutujanas. We're we're human beings, blind human beings, reacting to life. So the, you remember the Buddha and Devadatta, he never, Buddha never condemned or despised. Devadatta always willing to give him a chance. We're, we're not to get away from from that blaming. Watch that in yourself, tendency to blame. How many of you blame other people a lot for things? And if you can just see try to get that feeling, like you're feeling that you're feeling you you want to blame somebody and you can observe that that in your as a as a a Ramana, Arum his fault. See, I can observe that sense of, of that kind of energy that wants to, that believes it's, it's somebody else's fault and then wants to hang on to that feeling and follow that feeling. Or you do it to yourself, isn't it? In Britain, British people oftentimes spend a lot of time blaming themselves. Hey, oh, it's me, I'm not good enough, I'm such a hopeless case, you know, self-blame. Just note that, that feeling, that, that tendency of the mind to, to blame and contemplate 
blaming as, a, as an object to observe, to know, to really get to know what blaming is as an experience, not just idealistically kind of thing. We shouldn't blame anybody. We should be loving and all forgiving and, and uh, compassionate to all beings. But in, in your heart, in your guts, you're still resentful and blaming and you don't even know you're up in the heaven. May all beings be happy. And in here, you don't even know, you aren't aware of of the of all the uh, tensions and karmic results of blaming and bitterness and resentment. So that's why you have to come down into the body to really look at that at the kind of at the, and literally the gut level, that right in your in the guts of your body where where these things are oftentimes held held within the body, just the hab habitual uh, physical problems that come from from never really getting to to the, the cause or the source. Getting the idea in your head, you can realize the idea, but uh, that that's that's part of it to that helps. To, to to appreciate the, the idealism of it but it needs to be brought into uh, the way it is in within the physical formation I know that when it will feel tension in something happens and you feel this this uh, reactions in your guts really really study that notice that. Oftentimes one isn't just so so used to not noticing. Uh, you know, you're just up here, you're up in the, this part of your body all the time. So, kind of head world, uh, cerebral realm. So, so that's why in the Dhyanupasana Satipatthana is uh, really the investigation of the body. In the Vedanupasana Satipatthana is the, is the contemplation of Vedana, feeling. So in Vipassana meditation, practice of Vipassana, you're actually putting your attention into the body itself and into the feelings that that you're experiencing through the body and the senses. Chitanupasana Satipatthana is is a recognition of the of the mind, the mood. So we we know that the jitta when it's confused or when it's bright and clear or when it rigid, inflexible, uptight, when it's malleable, when it's free, when it's liberated. There's this knowing, the jitta, jitanupasana, and there's sense of fear and anxiety in the mind, and the sense of impending doom, or, or something wrong. We, we can observe that as an object. 
then Tamanupasana Salibhatama is uh, is uh, the reflection on it through Dhamma. It's the Four Noble Truths, the Three Insights into each Truth, the Twelve Insights of the Arahant, the Paticca the only use are the Dhammanupasana, you're, you're, you're contemplating Dhamma through these, uh, through these uh, Dhamma teachings. 